Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Sustainable Pixel Podcast. Happy Earth Day! Welcome to a very special episode that I'm very excited to make. Um, I hope that your Earth Month has been going well so far. What's really fascinating to me about Earth Day is that it just started out as one Earth Day, emphasis on the word day, but now it has significantly evolved and taken over the entire month of April. And I don't know how it happened, but it did. And I'm assuming it's because everybody and their moms decided they wanted to host and plan their own Earth Day events. So now there's an abundance of Earth Day events to choose from, which is great, but also exhausting for those of us who put on the events. Nevertheless, the events are pretty fun and they are usually all month long and Earth Month is not over yet. So if you want to still attend some kind of Earth Day themed event, you definitely still have some time to do that, especially since we're still in a pandemic. A lot of the events are virtual, so they are pretty easy to join as a regular Earth occupant. However, I will admit that putting on virtual events actually requires a lot more work and preparation than planning our usual in-person events. It's so many moving parts and just a lot to think about and consumes a lot of my time. So I just wasn't sure if I was actually going to make this episode because of the busyness at work. And I had another episode that I was working on, but after talking to a friend, I actually realized that this would be a really good opportunity for a sustainability episode. So here it is. Let's just jump right in. I wanted to start off this episode by providing my definition of sustainability so that we can understand kind of like where I'm coming from and what I think about when it comes to sustainability. My definition is pretty broad. But there's also, there's also room for it to intersect with basically any other field. And my usual definition is that sustainability is using finite resources at a responsible rate so that future generations would also have access to the same resources. Over the years, I've expanded the definition a bit to include parts about getting to a point where every person has equal access to the same resources and how adapting practices to ensure that not only negative environmental impacts are minimized, but that there are positive impacts to the environment, whether it is to the earth, like the actual earth or society, etc. And I also think it's important to identify whether certain policies that were put in place decades or even hundreds of years ago that are still practiced today should be sustained. So a bit of a reflection and review part of sustainability because we don't need to be doing these things forever and also in having some questionable practices that were, you know, put in place decades or hundreds of years ago, I think it's also important to see how certain areas have been affected by those. And particularly if you look at housing policies, city planning, community services, and just like resources in that sense, you can see that there's a lot of policies that are very questionable and have huge, huge consequences 
because of what was put in place years ago. And I truly believe that sustainability has a place in pretty much every sector and that it's actually very necessary because there's just so much overlap. When I was getting my environmental studies degree, one thing that a lot of people who weren't in my major didn't understand was why I was required to take chemistry, biology, physics, and calculus as required courses to get my degree. And that's because I needed to have at least a basic understanding of the carbon cycle. I needed to understand how one species can affect an entire ecosystem, as well as understanding how energy works. And I need to know how to calculate things correctly because there's a lot of complicated data that's involved when dealing with sustainability. So yeah, every single one of those courses mattered. There's so many different ways that you can connect sustainability to pretty much anything because we're such a globalized society now that, you know, you even think about like supply chain, all of that is connected. And I work specifically in the waste sector within sustainability. So I want to make clear that I think recycling and composting are really important. Like genuinely, I think it's super important. I teach people how to recycle and compost correctly in my job. But achieving true sustainability is a lot more than just knowing where you can put your waste and which bin it goes into. In my opinion, that's just the bare minimum that you can do. Something I typically bring up in my work is the waste hierarchy. And for those of you who aren't sure what this is, it's sometimes referred to as the four R's and they vary a little depending on who you talk to. But I usually use reduce, reuse, recycle, and rot. And rot is just another term for compost. I bring this up because reduce and reuse are listed first for a reason. And they're listed up there because it's much more impactful if you practice those two habits more than the bottom two, which are recycle and rot. So if you think about it this way, if you're trying to reduce your waste, if you actually reduce the amount that you produce, then you don't have to worry about how to get rid of it. So for example, if you want to reduce specifically the amount of plastic packaging you get, instead of buying things and having them shipped to your house, assuming that the store that you're shipping from is local, you could try going to the store in person to buy whatever item you need or ordering online and choosing to pick up in store then you wouldn't have that like extra packaging where you would get a box potentially with some plastic pillows or bubble wrap now i understand that convenience is a hindrance when it comes to making these kinds of decisions between getting something delivered to your door versus picking it up in store and a big reason why this is an issue is because we live in such a capitalistic society where we constantly have to weigh what's affordable and convenient. And, you know, you weigh it in terms of not just money, but also like time, right? And this is particularly true when also looking at the fashion industry or the food sector, tech, and just and so many others. While money isn't inherently evil, Without a doubt, the desire to make the most profit with the least amount of cost usually means 
that a lot of negative impacts follow that. And in my book, that's not a good thing. What's also interesting to me about this is how big, big corporations that clearly know their products, their practices in their in their business are having a big negative impact on the environment. They craft this narrative that it's up to the consumer to make the quote unquote right decision. And the thing with this statement is that to a certain extent, there's some truth to it, right? And individual actions can make a difference. I, I, I do believe that. But the more important part is that the big corporations are putting the blame on the consumer when they need to take some responsibility for the negative environmental impact of their product because, you know, they're making it. So that's why there's actually a lot of efforts right now to bring more extended producer responsibility or EPR, especially to big corporations because let's face it, these are billion dollar industries that have so many more resources and money to put into figuring out how to recycle or dispose of something so that you know you can use it again and then to to be able to put money into studying like how much impact does it actually have on the environment and, and in reviewing their practices then maybe they could even figure out a way to have more ethical practices without exploiting people now i would be remiss if i did not talk about climate change when having a sustainability episode the whole point of sustainability and having sustainable practices is to fight climate change. I'm not sure if any of my listeners are climate deniers or potentially climate skeptics, but I want to make clear that I believe climate change is real and it's happening, even though there are snowstorms and we are definitely, definitely in a climate crisis at the moment. And for those of you who are like me, and were born in the 90s, our entire lives have been full of climate disruptions. And that's because since the year 1990, scientists have said we have not had normal climate patterns because of the excess amount of carbon dioxide that humans are pumping into the atmosphere. So that's why if you've ever heard about any climate goals, a lot of them state to reduce emissions below 1990 levels, if you're ever curious about that. And another thing to note is climate change also causes more extreme weather events. And this includes things like crazy blizzards, wildfires, hurricanes, tsunamis, you name it. And it can be a little confusing because these are considered natural disasters. So yes, weather events like these can happen. But the problem right now is there's a high frequency of all these different types of events happening in really short time spans. And that's not good for nature. It is not good for nature. It's also not good for humanity because we don't have enough time to recover from all of the damage of these extreme weather events. One issue that's been made abundantly clear in the last year is that vulnerable populations will disproportionately be affected by the effects of climate change. And unfortunately, the most vulnerable populations are typically communities of color. 
And a lot of times people may point to, to poorer countries, but this can also happen pretty much everywhere. In countries with a lower GDP, the main issue is that wealthier countries take advantage of the cheap labor and goods there. And the worst part is that they will get hit hardest when times get rough. And I think in the past year, this is something that we honestly cannot ignore. There's just too much evidence, too many people's lives at stake for us to ignore this obvious fact. In the past year, especially with this pandemic, this has given us a glimpse of what this truly means, that vulnerable populations will be more affected. I live in San Francisco. It is a major city, so there is major income inequality within these city bounds. With these inequalities, between different neighborhoods, you see different sized houses. You see different access to grocery stores. You see different amounts of open space, like a park, and even different air quality. I particularly want to talk about open spaces and air quality. Because taking a walk at a nearby park can actually be considered a privilege. Not everyone has access to this. And unfortunately, if you have less trees in your neighborhood, that also means you have um, less organisms taking out carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and not as much oxygen being put into the atmosphere so that you have cleaner air to breathe. And in addition to that, temperatures will typically be hotter in a neighborhood with less trees as well. And this is very evident in this small little 47-square-mile squ city I call home. It's unfortunate because nature has a lot of healing properties, especially for your mental health. And because a lot of communities of color don't often have easy access to open spaces to connect to, that's honestly a big contributor to why when you think of a tree-hugging hippie, you really only picture a person of one race. I've briefly mentioned this in a previous episode, but I do want to say it again. California has a housing crisis, and it's pretty bad. And uh, the experiences between racial groups are pretty drastically different, and you can actually see this in the San Francisco Bay Area. A lot of people have been priced out of their homes, and there's this norm where a lot of people have to travel pretty far to get to work because, you know, whatever city that they were able to find affordable housing for them, it's pretty far away from where um, their office is. And they would probably have to have a commute of like maybe like an hour or an hour and a half. And it's pretty exhausting, in my opinion, to have to travel so long. I can relate to that because I had to do it for a lot of my jobs, actually. I had to travel usually around an hour to get to work, and, and I think it gets pretty taxing. I, um, I think some people will say that they'll get used to it, but part of me also thinks that it might just like add up. And also, if you're so exhausted from traveling so much, I think that there's a chance that you might not be as inclined to cook a healthy meal for yourself. You might want to purchase takeout more often. 
And, you know, in general, if you eat out, it's just not as healthy for you as if you were to eat like a nice home cooked meal that's like well balanced and all of that. So, you know, like there, there's a lot of effects to having a long commute because it, it affects you and uh, it affects your health, it affects your well, well-being. It also could affect um, your wallet economically. And then I don't know if it'll actually help. I mean, it probably still does help for you to live further away that has cheaper rent um, or cheaper mortgage eat and eating out a lot it probably won't equate to how much you're saving in the cost of living but I think having shorter commutes are better I personally would like to have a shorter commute um, but unfortunately I don't know what it is about now but it's pretty hard to have a short commute if I could live and work in the same city that would be great but yeah, that's why sometimes I think if a company will come to a city and claim that they're creating these jobs and, you know, they say that it'll boost the local economy and there's increased like tax revenue from the payroll tax um, that's being charged for the companies, that's like good for the cities. But on the flip side, if the presence of this maybe like a medium or large company or several medium companies if the average salary of people that they employ are pretty high and it's only a small percentage of people employed in that city make that type of salary but it can completely change what people want to charge for rent or um, for selling a home because they think like oh these people make a lot of money so they can afford to pay a higher price it changes the market, changes a lot of things, and it's unfortunate because, you know, the, the like a large company or you know s- several smaller companies that charge such a high salary or that pay such a high salary, the this isn't great because they there might not actually be that many people who have those kind of jobs, and there's also the people or who have been in the city before these companies came in and they don't work these kind of jobs and this really hurts them and you know housing in general like in San Francisco has always been kind of a problem housing has always been pretty expensive in the city but you know when certain companies come in it can exacerbate the problem that was already there which can make things much worse, which is really unfortunate. Not all job creation is good if the people that will be employed have nowhere to live. So housing policy is a climate policy. Something that I personally believe is I don't think we should just continue going about things business as usual because I don't think it works. I think we've seen that, you know, decades or century old policies, they're outdated. We have to reassess, we have to review, and we have to see whether or not these things are truly sustainable and see how things have changed and how we can just make better policies that better serve the current needs. And I think that constant reflection and review is really important to make sure that we're not just doing things to say we're doing them and not like reviewing whether or not these things actually have a positive impact. I think that's also really important. 
And so to wrap up, I just want to say sustainability is important. Climate change is real. And there is so many moving parts when it comes to sustainability. And I think we all play a part in it. And that's all the two cents that I wanted to share for this episode. So I hope that gave you something and that maybe you enjoyed it. I briefly touched upon a lot of different topics. So if you want me to talk more in depth about something that I mentioned, feel free to let me know what you'd like to hear more in some future episodes by leaving comments or DMing me. I would really appreciate any of that feedback. Other than that, I hope that you also enjoy a lovely Earth Day. I know that there are so many events happening everywhere. Um, Depending on where you are tuning in from, I personally really love getting involved in local events. So definitely check out, you know, your local city, see if they have a sustainability department, see what kind of events they're doing, tap into some grassroots, um, grassroots organizations that may be doing some really great work. Find an event that you would be interested in doing. There's a huge variety of things depending on what you're into. So definitely go look for them. Try to find something virtually or there may be some socially distanced in-person events um, as long as you're safe and still wear a mask and stay six feet apart. Other than that, I hope you all enjoy the rest of your Earth Day. If you are listening on Earth Day, um, I do hope that you're able to find some events that you can still participate in today or for the end of the month. And if you're not listening on Earth Day, honestly, every day is Earth Day. So whether you want to participate in April on April 22nd or any other day of the year, you can definitely do so. There are no bounds to when you can participate in some environmentally minded activities or things like that. There's so many organizations that do a lot of really great work. And um, especially if you are in the Bay Area, there are a abundance of organizations that you can partner with. Um, pretty much every city has sustainability managers, coordinators, all that stuff. So definitely really easy to get involved. And if anything, you don't even need to go to an event in order to celebrate Earth Day. You can just go outside taking a walk and pick up litter in the, your neighborhood because we need more litter warriors out there in the world. There's so much garbage I see on my walks when I do leave the house which is not that often um but there's so much garbage and I just wish that it wasn't there let's just be good stewards of our of the environment together um if you need any advice or if you're in the bay area and want to want to know about any events feel free to reach out Um, I can share some of the events that I know. Um, I will admit that I don't know everything. I don't know all the events that are happening, though, because I'm so consumed with my own work ones. But definitely check out something if you feel like it. If you don't, teach their own. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get notifications when I have new episodes out, if you haven't already done so. And go ahead and just share this with anyone that you think might like this podcast. 
I am also on Instagram and have a Facebook page, so I would super appreciate a follow and a like. You can find me at Sustainable Pixel on Instagram, and my Facebook page is facebook.com slash Sustainable Pixel Podcast. So thank you again, and please stay safe. Still wear a mask, continue social distancing, and please make good choices. Take care now. Thank you.